Welcome to the QAV podcast. If you're brand new, I just want to introduce the podcast a little bit so you know what you're getting yourself into. If you've listened to the show before, feel free to just fast forward a minute or two. If you're brand new, here's the deal. Uh, my name's Cameron Riley. Tony Kynaston is an old friend of mine. He's a very successful share market investor. I'm talking very, very, very successful. He's been doing it 30 years. He's one of the best in the country in terms of a private investor. Very good uh, track record over 30 years. And what this podcast is about is Tony basically teaches me everything that he knows about investing in the stock market. And you get to listen. But if you're coming into this for the first time, you'll find that this episode, the current episodes, assume a certain level of prior knowledge. We assume that you know what we're talking about, his system, his methodology, which we explain in earlier episodes. So feel free to listen if you want to get the vibe for what's going on, but some of it's not going to make much sense unless you understand what the checklist is, etc. I recommend if you're brand new, you go back and listen to uh, Season 3, Episode 1, Episode 3 and Episode 5, where we go into Tony's background and his system and his methodology in a lot more detail. And then feel free to listen to the contemporary episodes, the current episodes, you'll understand more of the context of what we're talking about. With that, let's get into today's show. Welcome back to the uh, QAV show, uh, not Ray, Tony. No, not Ray. <laughs> Episode 417. I'm not sure then. <laughs> you say that every time. 27th of April, definitely you. 27th of April, 2021, Monday. Tuesday, Tuesday. Uh, I'm all over the place. Uh, you're coming to us from Cape Shank. Correct. Yes. Having a good time down here. What are you doing down there? Playing golf. Uh, yeah, just enjoying. Um, Alex will come down, so we'll probably do a you know winery visit and restaurants and things. Yeah, I might even come down. Yeah, that'd be great. I know Alex will enjoy it too. So might do a, a quick trip down to Cape Shank, and we've got the Melbourne dinner uh, happening Monday night. Just a, a spontaneous little Melbourne dinner, seeing as you're down there. So mm. uh, that'll be fun. Be my first time meeting all of the Melbourne crew. So I look forward to that. Yep, me too. Uh, well, it's been a bit of a quiet week, Tony. Uh, we'll get into some news before we get into Q&A, but uh, I did do the portfolio update. I just wanted to run through for the end of month because uh, I had been on holidays at the end of month. We, we, According to my Google Sheet, which I don't have a lot of faith in my ability to manage this properly, but according to that, um, wasn't a great month for us in March. We dropped by 14.5% versus the All Odds total return that went up 1.84. So uh, we ended up, it says, according to my sheet, our growth since inception, which is September 2019, is 16.5% versus the All Odds 10.7%. So we're beating it by, you know, 60%, 50-60%. However, when I look at our portfolio and share side, it says we're up 21.05% mm. since inception. And Nevexa that I'm now using, another platform, says we're up 24.5% since inception <laughs> versus the ASX 200 up 5.77%. 
Well, hang on. So the A6200 should be the same in all of those, shouldn't it? Well, share, uh, you know, I, 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 it's probably, I don't know if they're looking at the total return when they say that. Okay. So uh, I, I'm not sure if they're comparing us to the total return or not. Um, I don't know how they worked that out. But either way, our, our performance numbers are somewhere between 16 and <laughs> 25% since inception. <laughs> that said, uh, we've had a really good month uh, despite MRC collapsing like a house of cards. Um, so those figures you just read out were for end of March, right? End of March, yeah. yeah okay. April has been a pretty good month. I mean, CX, a C6C Copper Mountain is now up 270% <laughs> since we bought it at the end of October. <laughs> Uh, Fortescue, original Fortescue purchase is back over 200% too. It's, Fortescue's been going back up again recently. Uh, we've got a couple of stocks that are underwater. MRC is underwater by 2% still. Uh, CVL, Civmec is underwater by 6.5%, but um, everything else is doing pretty well. Okay. Yeah, well, that's good. Uh, I'd probably go with the share site numbers, Cam. We've done a fair bit of work to try and reconcile that so right it sounds probably the most accurate it's a reputable platform and we haven't touched the portfolio so should be good right well yeah i'm assuming uh, that i've got all my um uh, dividends and everything calculated and that i can't see anything that's holding out but according to uh share site then for the financial year we're up 40 percent Versus the ASX 200 up 22.46%. Yeah. So, again, I'm not sure if that's a total return number, the STW.ASX. Don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Sorry. Mm. Sorry, it is because they've got a dividend number here. They say capital gain, the ASX 200 is up 19.17, dividends up 3.29, total 22.46. Okay. So that would be. Total, Total return, return. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty much on track. We're nearly twice the all odds uh, for the financial year. Anyway, mm. it's been a good year. Has been a good year. <laughs> so, what else we got going on in the news, Tony? Uh, you got a stock of the week? Uh, yeah, I have actually. It's uh, MML Medusa Mining. So I haven't done a download for a couple of weeks now. I did do a stock journal when Bank of Queensland reported their results. Uh, and Bank of Queensland aren't any longer on the buy list because their share price has been rising, uh, but their numbers came out kind of an unusual reporting period for them. So they've, they've come through now. Uh, but um, So that was the only update I've done. But going back to the buy list, I just picked the next one down that we haven't spoken about, which was Medusa Mine, so a gold miner. And they're based, or their gold miner is based in the Philippines. Yeah, we've had them on our uh, in our portfolio before, I think. I think so, yeah. Rings a bell. I'm scrolling through. No, I can't see them. I know that we've talked about them. We've analysed them before anyway. Okay. And I do own some of these, so I'll declare that up front. I'm not trying to push them at all. Um, they Like the gold price, they have been up and down. But uh, since COVID, they've been going up a couple of peaks and troughs, but generally in an upward direction. Yeah, I'm looking at their chart now. Mm-hmm. So, what do you like about these guys? They just had a good score last time you did it. Yeah, the QAV score I think was um, I'll just call it up is point five seven, so very high. Hmm. 
And uh, any idea what's going on with them? Why are they doing so well? Well, it'll be driven by their free cash flow. I'll just have a look at their price to cash flow. Um, I thought gold was supposed to be taking a hit now that uh, COVID's over. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're living in yeah, India. Yeah, it's come back up again. That's right. It's come back <laughs> up US. again now because of India. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so it's gone up. It's gone from sort of just just over 1700 getting up close to $1,800 an ounce again now. Right. Yeah, so MML's price to cash flow is 1.3 times, so lots of cash being generated. Wow. Okay, so if people are looking for something to run an analysis on, uh, mm-hmm. MML, good place to yeah. start. So another recommendation, I own it, but don't let that sway you. I've had it for a while. Uh, but, yeah, as you say, use it as a jumping-off point and do your own analysis. Index Mundi doesn't show the gold price coming back up, but its last figures of February 21. Yeah, Index Mundi can be pretty late. Um, right. If you go onto the front page of Stock Doctor, yeah, doing that you'll now. see the gold there. Yeah. So I saw it on the news this morning. It was, um, it was just underneath $1,800 an ounce again. Right, yeah. Uh, okay, let me see. Let's 1776, look at 17.75.96. One year. Yeah, okay. It was down as low as 16.97 on the 5th of March and now it's up to 17, yeah, 75, 17.80. So it has bounced up quite a bit mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. And you think that's driven by India? Yeah, I do actually. 300,000 new cases a day in India last I heard. And there's a lot of speculation that that's vastly underreporting the problem there too. Yeah, I've heard that. Wow. And, uh, unfortunately, they've run out of ventilators and they've run out of oxygen in the hospitals and hospital beds, so it's really yeah crippling. And the uh, and Narendra Modi doesn't seem to be doing much about it, at least from what I can see. He still hasn't had much of a lockdown. He's still having mass rallies because it's election time over there. Yeah. There was pictures last week of pilgrims flocking to the Ganges to bathe in the Ganges because of the Hindu festival so um does that yeah. get rid of covid unfortunately not it promotes it because there's like it's like the trip to mecca for the muslims they just all cram in together yeah at the same time so it's not really conducive <clears throat> for COVID. yeah i read that modi was running rallies like a f- couple of weeks ago political rallies with tons of people there and no ppe well so there you go mml and you wanted to talk about three market stages I did, yeah. So, sorry, just on MRC. Did you want to do an update on MRC? Well, I don't have much apart from the fact that it it, it hasn't recovered um, no. and we haven't sold it yet. Is there anything else that uh, you want to talk about? No, it's, it's, it went up a bit last week, but it's back where it was last week when we spoke about it. So, no no news on that one. Yeah, but we're, but we're going to keep holding on to it. We are, although it's, I think we should use the fudge sell line, which is a couple of cents below where it is now. So, we'll see what happens. Oh, okay. Okay, so the, yeah, three market stages. So I, we've had a couple of questions recently about uh, or from people saying what sort of market are we in? You know, America looks overvalued and, and the Australian share market's pretty close to its all-time high again. And uh, it reminded me of um, a guy called Colin Nicholson who I used to subscribe to. He had a, he had a, uh, a website, which is still there, even though he's retired. It's called BW bwts.com.au, Building Wealth Through the Share Market is uh, is its full name. And he used to post a lot of uh, 
market information, a lot of information that was good about how he invested. So he had a lot of um, information there about stop losses and position sizes. Um, I had a, I had a look at that myself and never felt comfortable with it, but um, he certainly had a lot of rigor around what he did. But the two takeaways I had from him that have stuck um, since he shut the website down was um, he used a thing called the Copic Indicator, which he used to put out uh, each month. And in people can Google it, but in, in summary, uh, Copic was a guy who was asked by one of the churches, um, I think from memory, who had an endowment fund to um, help them with their investments. And, and he, because he was talking with a lot of people in the church, he came to believe that the stock market followed human nature in terms of bereavement. So he would look at uh, how long it would take the stock market to recover from a downturn in on average. And, uh, and then he would work out a, a mathematical formula for trying to predict it. And it was pretty good. So, so generally, he, he found that it would take you know, 12 to 18 months for the stock market to return from a downturn. But what, what he found was that if you take a, a rolling 18-month average for the stock market, um, once, it, once the market rises above that average, it was time to buy. So that was a, a, good, a good indicator that, um, that Colin Nicholson used to keep updated in spreadsheets. He'd do that trailing 18-month average for, for all the markets um, and, and some of the commodities, I think, from memory. That was worth looking at. But the other thing that was worth looking at is he, he had um, done a lot of research into what he called these three stages of the market. And uh, he would occasionally look at the current share market and try and pick what stage the share market was in currently. And, again, you can get I – think, I think some of this is still available – uh, and I hope I'm not breaching copyright and talking about it, but I'm, I'll just do a high-level um, overview of it. But basically, just going back and looking at the notes I made when I was a member of his website, I think we're either in stage two or stage three. So so stage two was kind of the good time to be invested. So it was when the market was going up, but things weren't in a bubble. And stage three, he termed rampant speculation. So if I just have a look at his um, analysis, the things he would look at were things like, the uh, the valuation of the stock market overall, uh, which was um, had an average PE of 16, and I think we're about 17 or 18 now, so we're not too much over the, the average. Uh, the US is is over the average though, so that's a that's a concern. Uh, but he would also look at things like unemployment. Um, I'm just going to try and find. Excuse me for a minute. I'm just going to try and find one of his documents. Okay, so phase two, he called increasing earnings. And I think we're probably at the end of phase two, maybe into phase three. So phase two, he said, uh, many companies are announcing increased earnings. We've, we've certainly seen that after COVID. Um, lots of good news is announced. Again, we're seeing the economy coming back to, to normal. Unemployment is falling. And again, that's happened after COVID. Uh, household savings ratio is falling. Well, we're not seeing that. The household savings ratio is increasing. So that's, um, that's a cross on in terms of his checklist. More companies are being floated in the stock markets through IPOs. That's definitely happen, happening. Uh, significant market corrections end higher, which is what's happened after COVID. Uh, fundamental values return to normal. And he says normal is a PE of 16, which is a, we're a little bit over that, but not um, tremendously over it. The market average dividend yield is also in the upper half of the fair value range. 
which is about where it is now. So the fair value range is um, uh, three, a, a dividend yield of three. So we're, I think we're about, maybe slightly above that now. Uh, sector rotation, which is what we're seeing at the moment. So uh, we're coming out of growth into value. And that, okay, that was it. That was his that was his um, take on phase two of the market cycle, which is where I think we probably are. And then he also had a phase three, which he called rampant speculation. And rampant speculation, the kind of things he was looking for there, uh, significant fundamental overvaluations. Well, I'm, he's seeing it in the US, but I'm not really seeing it in Australia at the moment. Uh, interest rates are relatively high. Well, they're not, they're low. Uh, where are we now? Increased volatility. We certainly have volatility due to COVID, but I'm not really seeing the share market, you know, sort of um, grow and shrink by sort of five to ten percent in short periods at the moment. So I'd say we're not very volatile. Increased M&A activity. There has been some, but it's not the kind of frenzied levels that you'd see in sort of late market activity. Day traders are heavily in the market. Well, we're not seeing day traders, but we are seeing lots of new investors for the first time. So perhaps that's that's sort of starting to tick that box. Increased speculation, I'd say, yes, we're seeing that. Uh, conventional standards of financial ration, rationality are abandoned. We're seeing some of that in terms of the, the afterpays and the growth stocks. So there's a bit of a tick there. Uh, what else have we got? Many capital raisings and companies being floated on the stock market, especially when focused on one or more hot sectors. So we're definitely seeing that. And I'd, I'd pick buy now, pay later as the um, the hot sector there, but certainly the growth stocks as well. Uh, it's speculative stocks from the previous boom switch into the new hot sector. Well, I haven't seen that yet, but that's happened in the past when, you know, for example, mining stocks become internet stocks. Private investors heavily in the market, many with no skills, who have fallen in love with the new boom concept. Well, that's definitely happening. Increased use of debt and leverage by companies and investors and traders. That's happening, particularly in the US. And then uh, probably the one of the things that um, I've, it's always stuck in my memory, much new commercial building activity, including news of someone building a world's highest building or similar iconic ed edifice. And we haven't seen that this time, but that's often marked a high point. And I'm thinking about, uh, what's it called? The Burj Khalifa in uh, Dubai is one of those. Increased media coverage, a little bit. I mean, certainly getting a little bit more coverage on things like the the um, the GameStop situation, but not probably overall. New paradigm or new era theories advanced. Well, we're certainly seeing that for things like Bitcoin, and this time it's different. But um, yes, I'd probably say that's probably true. Fewer stocks are driving the market up. That has been the case, but I think it's getting back more to normal. So definitely the the FANG stocks were doing that um, last year, but not so much this year. So that's his checklist for the last phase of the market. And I think we're probably phase two, phase three, based on his checklist. But if anyone's interested in looking at that, um, some of that is still available on the Building Wealth Through Shares website. BWTS.com.au. Correct, yeah. But like from a QAV perspective, Tony, does any of that matter? No, it doesn't. I, I mean, I like to... I like to keep keep watching these kinds of things just out of interest sake, I guess, but no, because I've found that, you know, whenever you try and speculate that the market's going to turn down, invariably it keeps going up. And, uh, you know, I look at both the GFC and the dot-com bubble when 
it was fairly obvious the, the market was in high multiple areas. And so people, some people were going to cash, particularly the value investors. But then they missed out on the last leg up, which was, you know, sort of 40% up. And admittedly, the markets went down 30 or 40%. So it was perhaps a zero-sum game. Um, but they were in cash for a couple of years when they could have been earning some returns on the market. And if they had a, a system like the three-point trend line for getting out in the early stages of a, of a correction, they could have made some money during that time too. So from a QAV perspective, we just – doesn't matter, right? If the market's going up, crashing, we're just looking mm-hmm. for the Easter eggs. Correct, yes. Turning over rocks, as uh, somebody said. Yeah, Exactly. Right. But I just thought I'd point to people to that because we have had questions about what stage of the market's in. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. A couple of other things I wanted to just talk about before we get into QA, uh, Q&A is uh, Afterpay. Big announcement last week that they're going to move to the NASDAQ. Yeah. I don't know what that means, if anything, for their local investors. I assume that they will just get their shares transferred to whatever the US version is. Is that how it works? Yeah, I haven't. Um, I haven't seen if they're dual listing or not. So I think I, I quickly scanned through it because I don't really pay that much attention to Afterpay. No. Uh, and I think it's going to list here and there. Oh, okay. And typically, other companies like say News Corp will have listings in the US and at least have what's called a depository receipt here which allows you to buy local shares but be invested in the U.S. company. Right. So it'll be either either of those. So it's not really a win or a loss for Australian investors? It's just a, a thing? Well, I think, yeah, if it plays out the way they hope it will, a NASDAQ listing should give them more liquidity and more a bigger pool of people to uh, invest in the company, which should support the share price. Right. That's the theory anyway. And, you know, and a sort of investor base, which is much more attuned to growth style investing than the Australian share market is in general. I was going to say, by the way, you might be down here with me when the Berkshire Hathaway AGM is live streamed, which is coming up on Sunday. I'll bring the lube. (laughs) Bring the coffee anyway. It's going to happen early. You didn't even, (laughs) did you didn't even take your Warren Buffett hat with you? No. (laughs) If you can't wear that during the, Berkshire Hathaway AGM. <laughs> what kind of a fanboy are you, really? <laughs> oh, well. Uh, I was reading Jack Bogle's book, The Little Book of Common Sense Investing. I, I stumbled across um, a YouTube interview with Jack. Like, I think, a, um, actually, it wasn't a late interview. It was like, uh, it was around about 2003 after the dot com crash. And uh, I listened to him talk for a while, and I thought, "Wow, he's he's really good." <laughs> he's, yeah, right. He's for people who don't know who Jack Bogle was. He passed away, I think, last year or 2019. Very very old, but he sort of created the first index fund, I think, mm. uh, Vanguard, uh, mm-hmm. and the first index fund. Uh, I got a couple of his books actually. Uh, one where he's sort of wrote only a couple of years ago where he was talking about um, the failure of capitalism, what went wrong with capitalism. Uh, Let me – the battle for the soul of capitalism. And he's talking about how capitalism had been, um, you know, subverted 
from the good old-fashioned kind of capitalism to a nasty, dangerous uh, kind of capitalism, which is interesting coming from a billionaire billionaire investor. (laughs) Uh, But uh, in his little book of Common Sense Investing, I read this uh, and it reminded me of what you've been teaching us for the last couple of years. He says, uh, adding a fourth law to Sir Isaac Newton's three laws of motion, the inimitable Warren Buffett puts the moral of the story this way. For investors as a whole, returns decrease as motion increases. Accurate as that cryptic statement is, I would add that the parable reflects the profound conflict of interest between those who work in the investment business and those who invest in stocks and bonds. The way to wealth for those in the business is to persuade their clients, don't just stand there, do something. But the way to wealth for their clients in the aggregate is to follow the opposite maxim, don't do something, just stand there. The higher the level of their investment activity, the greater the cost of financial intermediation and taxes, the less the net return that the business owners as a group receive. The lower the costs that investors as a group incur, the higher rewards that they reap. So to realize the winning returns generated by businesses over the long term, the intelligent investor will minimize to the bare bones the costs of financial intermediation. That's what common sense tells us. It is the basis of any business, isn't it, really? Why would you pay more costs than you have to to make a profit in your business? Well, to keep your customers happy, to keep your staff happy. Yeah, but you're the you're the there's only one customer in this business. That's you, for me. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Uh, keeping your costs down, but I think and as he's going on about, and obviously this was part of his motivation for creating the index fund was to was that yeah. he saw people getting, I won't say ripped off, but um, losing out by all of the costs that they were paying to funds and brokers and that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, and not just index funds that Vanguard created, but low-cost index funds. Yeah. Yeah. So I like that don't just stand there, do something, turn around to don't do something, just stand there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sit on your hands. Invest, but then just stand there. Yeah. Which is kind of where we are at the moment. We've had the company reporting season. There's been some guidance at AGMs, but we'll sit on our hands now probably until August when there's maybe July if there's – um. Any earnings uh, confessions, but um, August probably now. Depending what happens with MRC. Yeah, potentially, yeah. Uh, somebody did just send me an email. Uh, Danny just sent me an email asking uh, how often you'll be putting out a buy list in the foreseeable future. Ooh, okay. And I have pointed out to people that uh, in, in the past that you normally only do a buy list a couple of times a year for yourself, reporting season, and if you have to buy something, if you have to sell and buy something, but it's you don't do it every week like you have been doing for us mm. for the last uh, six months or so. You're doing that purely for the benefit of the listeners. And by the way, folks, you can do your own buy list. That's what yeah. this is. The whole point of this is to teach you how to do a buy list, not to sit there waiting for Tony's buy list. But that said, how often do you think you'll be doing a buy list? Oh, I haven't given it any thought. I can do one now if you like. I don't think it'll change much from the last one I did, though. Right. Yeah. Like, so how often do you think's fair? Once every two weeks or something? Oh, once a month, I think. Once a month? All right. Yeah. Yep. Like, um, things aren't going to change dramatically. And again, for, for new folks, 
the point of the buy list is really just to give you a starting point, I guess. One, I, I, the way I think of it, it's something you can compare your results to. Mm-hmm. If you do your own buy list and it's dramatically different to Tony's buy list, then email me and we'll try and work out what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, secondly, if you're not doing your own buy list, but you're looking at you're looking for a, you know a handful of stocks to investigate, you can go to our buy list, look at the top ones, and do your own analysis at them one at a time, and you know getting the latest uh, share price. Uh, you know mm-hmm. if if it's in between reporting seasons, their financials probably aren't going to have changed, but unless it's you know the other side of confession season, but you could, the share price will have changed, so you can get your own score based on the current share price, look at the sentiment graph, et cetera, et cetera, um, update the score, and, and then make your own decisions from there. So it's a starting point, but I really don't want people sitting around waiting for your buy list before they no, do anything. That's that's not the point of the buy list. No, it's not a tip sheet. No. And also, too, as we've, as we've heard from people who um, have asked questions, they, they put their own filters in place too about ESG or about uh, market cap size or whatever too. So <clears throat> they, they could use the buy list as something to start with and, and they might uh, create a subset of that. But they might also, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if people are going a bit below the buy list if they can't find something to buy that meets their profile. What do you mean a bit below the buy list? <clears throat> well, so uh, if the buy list cuts out at QAV score of 0.1, but they haven't met something which is, you know, meets their, say, ESG requirements, they might go down to a lower QAV score and find a company which meets their requirements. Crap. I mean, there's like 113 <laughs> companies in our buy list at the moment if they can't find something in that. Well, there's been times, though, like, for example, when um, a commodity's turned up. I'm just trying to think. I mean, Capral Aluminium was, I think, the only aluminium stock on our buy list, but there may have been some other ones lower down. Uh, what was another one? Copper, I think. There was only a couple on our buy list, and they were small, so you may have to have gone to a lower one down if you wanted to buy a large stock copper miner. Right. <clears throat> anyway, well, my point is... Um, Use the buy list as a starting point. Yeah. And then and then overlay it with your own filters. Yeah. All right. Stop playing with your cord. Sorry. <laughs> I need to get you a fidget spinner. That's like that old, um, I think it was Groucho Marx in the witness box, wasn't it? And he had his hands in his pockets and the job, and he was chewing on some tobacco and the judge said, stop masticating. <laughs> pull, his hands, pull his hands out of his pockets. <laughs> Uh, classic. <laughs> All right, Q&A, let's get into it. Okay. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. For the brand new folks, I want you to know that each week we have a free episode and a premium episode. Free episode runs about half an hour. Premium episode usually runs for an extra half hour to an hour, depending on how many questions we have from our audience that week, because we spend a lot of that time answering questions. Uh, If you want to check out the premium episodes, you can go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au and sign up for the two-week free trial. You get to have a look at the uh, premium episodes. You get to have a look at the checklist, the getting started guide, all of the video content that we have. Uh, You get invited to our VIP dinners and our VIP Zoom calls for club members. You get to ask Tony questions that we can answer. You get to get invited to our uh, Facebook group, our private Facebook group, etc., etc. So, And also uh, we get a, a 
private uh, club member newsletter each week we send out as well with some stuff in it. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au. But as I said, if you're brand new and you want to, you're trying to figure out what's going on, go back and listen to Season 3, Episodes 1, 3, and 5, 301, 303, and 305. And then you might also want to go back and listen to Season 1 as well, all of the free episodes in Season 1 where we go into a lot of detail about Tony's system and methodology and figure out if this is right for you, if it's something that you want to go further with, if you want to learn how to invest like Tony does, then you can check out the uh, QAV Club. Uh, The other thing I always have to say is we're not financial advisors, so don't take anything you hear on this as financial advice. This is just here to teach how one guy invests and thinks about investing. If you need financial advice or tax advice, please go see a financial advisor or tax advisor. Uh, With that, stay safe, good luck with your investing, and we'll be back next week.